This is the Early Childhood Research Podcast, and you're listening to Episode 3. Welcome to the Early Childhood Research Podcast, where we tell you how the latest research can help in your home and in your classroom. Welcome. It's great to have you here. I'm Liz, and I'm the host of the Early Childhood Research Podcast. This is Episode 3. It's all about bullying in early childhood, and I'll suggest 10 strategies we can use to help deal with it. They're focused on the classroom, but most can also be adapted for use at home. These strategies are not my own original ideas. They've been pulled from a number of research articles. You can find the references for these articles in the show notes by going to lizersearlylearningspot.com, clicking on the podcast tab and finding episode 3. You'll also find the text for today's episode, plus a free poster to teach little ones about the choices they can make when being confronted by a bully. Most of us have probably heard the axiom, boys will be boys. And we've also probably heard adults say that children need to work out their own squabbles. But are they just an excuse for us not to intercede? Of course, it is true that children do have to learn to deal with conflict, so we shouldn't always jump in. However, the research is suggesting that adults believe they intervene 75% of the time. But when they ask children, they say that adults only intervene 25% of the time. So clearly we're not as observant as we'd like to think. Bullying does occur in the early years, And there are studies to show that bullies can start very young and carry on bullying for many, many years. So it's important to do as much as we can to curb this problem while teachers and other adults still have the influence. By the time kids get to upper primary, teacher input is less effective and often unwelcome. What is bullying? Bullying behaviour is generally defined as repetitive and intentional harm to another, where there may be an imbalance of physical or social power. Now, this is not fixed. I've seen younger, smaller children bully kids nearly twice their size, so it's important not to assume that the accepted stereotype is always true. Amongst young children, bullying tends to be very direct, grabbing a toy from another child, hitting or pinching just on the spur of the moment, comments like, I don't want to be your friend anymore, or I don't want to play with you. Boys tend to favour physical aggression, whereas girls are more prone to relational aggression, such as verbal attack and actively cutting victims out of their social group. I'd like to repeat the definition. Bullies cause repetitive and intentional harm. So defining the roles, a bully is someone who is proactively aggressive. That is, they purposely cause trouble. Then there is a victim, someone who is being bullied. Often they will be submissive and insecure. They might be socially awkward or they might have physical characteristics that isolate them from belonging to the group. We don't actually want to call someone a victim because giving them that label is not empowering and in most cases should be avoided. So I might be giving you a definition of a victim, but we're not necessarily going to use that vocabulary with our children. Then we have a bully victim. 
And this is someone who is reactively aggressive. So when they're feeling victimized, they will react quickly and with a high level of aggression. They may be anxious and emotional, and these children are at the greatest risk of remaining both a bully and a victim for the long term. They're also more at risk for developing psychological and behavioral disorders. Then we have the bystanders, witnesses to the bullying. Some stand up for the victim, but statistically most just watch due to a mixed reaction of passive acceptance or fear of attracting the bully's attention. 88% of episodes occur in front of classmates. So whether it's intentional or not, this makes bullying a group activity. There are some at-risk indicators of being either a victim or a bully. There is low working memory, low planning and organisation skills, poor self-control, being from a minority ethnic group, having a speech disorder such as stuttering, having a physical or mental disability, being on the autism spectrum, having a lower IQ, children of single parents and lower socioeconomic groups, and having parents who were bullied as children. This doubles the risk. Bullying can occur wherever there are two or more children together, especially with young children who are still learning to control their own behaviour. It only takes a few seconds after all, so it can be difficult to catch. Bullying is not that one-off episode. It's the repetitive and often intentional nature of it that marks it as a behaviour that needs thoughtful intervention. Bullying can occur anywhere. Classrooms, playdates, playgrounds, parks, they're all prime candidates. While bullying occurs in front of adults, especially with younger children, it's more prevalent when there's less supervision. Adding an extra adult to a play area can significantly reduce and definitely shorten bullying episodes. The consequences of being bullied can be quite significant. Depression, anxiety and sleep problems, and some children have these for many years. Not wanting to go to school or to wherever the bullying is occurring. It's an indicator of lower academic achievement, loneliness and isolation from the group, and as a result, difficulty in developing relationships. It causes children to internalise their problems or to externalise their problems. And as children get older, the consequences become increasingly severe. Here are the 10 strategies suggested by researchers for helping with bullying. The first one, if you're in an educational environment, one of the most effective methods is to have a long-term school-wide policy, which includes parent meetings or training. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody reacts the same way to bullying. Everyone knows where they stand. This is highly important. Number two, increase supervision of play areas. Number three, tell an adult. We need to create an atmosphere where children feel okay about reporting bullying. Research shows that with young children, adult intervention is important. 
Victims are given a sense of security and protection. The bystanders are empowered to act on what they see, and bullies are forced into thinking twice before causing trouble. The fourth point is to find a friend. Bullying is significantly decreased when the victim has even one friend who will look out for them and intercede when the bullying occurs. So, if we can pair an at-risk child with a confident and empathic friend, that can be an extremely positive step. Number five: change the group culture. If it becomes unacceptable within a group to bully, it can break the cycle. With young children, we can use a number of ideas: literature, firstly, reading appropriate stories, talking about them as a group. It will expose children to different points of view and show them that it's okay to be different, to be tolerant. In fact, differences are something to celebrate. There are also books specifically covering bullying issues, and I have some of those listed in the show notes as well. Role playing. Using puppets, have children acting out various scenarios that require them to think about a situation from another child's perspective. We want to encourage empathy. Discussion, invent bullying scenarios for discussion prompts, and have the group discuss why something is bullying, why it's not okay, and what can be done by the victim, by the bully, and by the Bystanders to improve the situation. Another one that I really like is a daily check-in. Start the day with the children talking about how they feel using phrases like "I feel sad because" to build empathy among the group. Number six: teach conflict resolution. All children benefit from learning these skills. Perhaps have a peace bench. Which is a place where two children can sit and take it in turns to tell each other how they're feeling, or why they might be upset. Number seven is peace journals. Have children regularly draw how they are feeling. This gives adults and friends, their own friends, another way of checking on them, and might reveal emotions that have not been expressed verbally. Number eight, teach skills to victims. Even if we're not using the word victims, as well as encouraging them to tell a teacher or a friend or their parents, some children have social issues that make them a target. Perhaps they physically crowd other children. Perhaps they constantly speak out of turn, or they always want to play their favorite game. Actively teaching them to be aware of how their behavior annoys others. And working to find solutions will really benefit them in the long term. This is also a great place for their critical friend, their special friend, because this special friend can give them gentle reminders as they go along. Billy, you're being really annoying now. Please stop doing that. Please stop crowding me. No, we're not going to play your game. We're going to play someone else's game. That friend can help the bullied child along to improve their social skills. Number nine is teach skills to bullies. Bullies also can need help with social skills. However, they can also improve by increasing their working memory, their understanding of the importance of rules and consequences. 
learning problem-solving and organizational skills, and seeing how the results of their actions affect others. Keep in mind that children with a lower IQ can become frustrated trying to learn new behavioral patterns. One researcher suggested that a bully will often do well if given a leadership position in the classroom. And number 10 is work with parents. Let parents know what school policies are and how bullying issues are dealt with. This will help them know what to do if their child comes home upset. It's most important that parents can have confidence in encouraging their child to tell a teacher or a friend as soon as they feel threatened. Keep in mind that some parents of victims will have been bullied as children themselves, which might make it difficult for them to remain objective. In such instances, counselling intervention may be helpful for the family as a whole. Research suggests that parents who are inconsistent, who are overly permissive or overly harsh, can be encouraging long-term bullying behaviour, as these children don't learn to negotiate constructively at home. That's it for today's episode on bullying. In the show notes, remember you can find the list of research articles I used, the transcript, the book lists, and a free poster. And you can find them at lizesearlylearningspot.com. Click on the podcast tab and find episode three. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider submitting a review and rating on iTunes. It will help others find this podcast more easily. Or, if a particular point grabbed you, why not share it with others via Facebook or Twitter? Thanks for joining me to learn a little more about early childhood research, and I wish you happy teaching and learning. Thanks for listening to the Early Childhood Research Podcast at www.lizesearlylearningspot.com.